1: Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for uh, tuning in to Let Us Reason. Uh, this is your host, Al Fadi, and uh, today we are going to uh, discuss a topic that we have already started uh, a while back, and the topic has to do with the, uh, the book that just been published recently, which we did a show on that book called The Corrections in Early Quran Manuscripts. Uh, 20 examples Well, in fact, it's actually 22 examples, but I would argue it's even more than that simply because one of the examples have like nine different corrections in it. So you can say it's about 30 give or take examples done by uh, Dr. Daniel Allen Brubaker uh, as part of his PhD dissertation and what uh, Dr. Allen Brubaker did, uh, Dr. Daniel, uh, I should say, Allen Brubaker did is that he Uh, throughout the course of his Ph.D. research uh, went to look at a number of early Quranic manuscripts and once again let me clarify whenever we use the term early Quran manuscripts we're talking about something that was written or Quranic manuscripts that were written between the 7th and the 9th century so the first 200 years of Islam and the history of the Quran itself now why are those essential? Obviously, because they are so close to the action itself. Number two, these early Quranic manuscripts show signs of development in terms of the the, uh, structure of the uh, wording or the letters themselves, and also uh, they uh, basically they did not have any vowel markings or dottings, so they contain some consonantal variants in them. And any word, technically speaking, uh, written that way could be open for different ways of interpreting the meaning of that particular word simply because it lacks Dottings whether above the letter below the letter Vowel markings that will uh, help you pronounce it and therefore it can change from being a noun sometimes to being in a um, uh, uh, You know uh, Adjective uh, to being in a verb and and you get the idea but nevertheless um, What he was focusing on was evidence of real edits and corrections, actually, that were done to them. And he came up with a number of those classifications, some he called erasers. So you see something that was taped over to erase a word. Sometimes it's erased and written over it with a different word. Uh, Sometimes there are insertions where you can see clearly that a word was added now the word could be a word that was missed by the original scribe or maybe something to try to adjust the variant reading itself to match a standardized reading. So these are uh, some of the examples that Dr. Brubaker basically utilized. And in his book, he use, uh, uses a number of them, a handful of them. Now, um, you know, so far, It appears that he and others have discovered, I would say, close, maybe even a little over 4,000 corrections. Uh, When he started his PhD, he was hoping to find eight. He ended up with 800, actually. And uh, now we have at least 4,000. And therefore, you get the idea that those are indeed just samples in this book. Uh, In the introduction in his book, he does make the announcement that he will release more and more of these corrections, in future publications, whether in in a book format or articles and so on and so forth. So, having said that, um, I uh, initially, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I did talk about at least one of those changes. And uh, I used one of those examples at the beginning. Uh, I am going now to try to talk about another example of such corrections. Uh, This one is a correction that was done to chapter 42 of the Quran, verse 21. And you will find this at least in the book. He will tell you that this is found in one of the early Quranic manuscripts known as the BNF, B as in boy, N as in Nancy, F as in fox. And this is basically in reference to the manuscript that is found at the uh, 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 Paris, you know, basically, um, or the biblical museum in france uh at, at the uh, technically speaking that's where it is found the uh, uh, bibliography i should say museum or the national bibliography museum in france it's uh, shortened to bnf and this particular one is known as arabi number 328 again it's chapter 42 verse 21 you will find this of course in the book itself and in there uh we find um you know an instance where a word was changed from speaking in a singular to speaking in a plural, specifically a pronoun here, a personal pronoun. And um, it's uh, the, the word has to do basically with declaring uh, something like this. In the original, it would have read, or, do they have associates who enacted for him? speaking about enacting a religion for the God of Islam, and the argument is that, does Allah have associates that are enacting a religion or a form of worship for him? Then it was changed actually to read, or do they have associates who enacted for them instead of for him? Now, It's an accusation against others who have established or created religious uh, rituals for themselves rather than for God. Now, that's uh, theologically uh, important to know. Are we talking about uh, people who were accused to have invented things for Allah himself? Therefore, the problem is, what was it? You know, what, which rituals people thought that they were inventions attributed to Allah. Versus now we're talking about heresies that were invented by people for worships away from Allah. So either way, you wonder now, what is it that the writers corrected here? And what, what is it that they were trying to hide? And why are they changing the pronoun from singular to plural? and the object from being God or Allah to people. So all of these things obviously have a theological impact simply because it is extremely crucial when it comes at least to a book like the Quran that claims to be divinely inspired and that everything in it actually had to do with teaching related to um uh, the God of Islam and uh, every single word or letter in the book is inspired by him, and that those are instructions uh, that will benefit people to guide him and direct him, and so on and so forth. So all of these things, obviously, are going to create a problem. As a result of this, one really needs to ask this question: why such a correction was necessary? number two what was the intent behind the original reading three who authorized this correction and how can you shift from singular to plural and claim that it's still divinely inspired i mean we're not talking about fixing a word here that is still in the same basically case or mode or whatever the case might be no we're changing the reading completely and drastically so this is why those kind of corrections are necessary, uh, necessary to uh, you know, highlight. And the other thing, of course, if you look at the image itself, you don't really have to be a uh, manuscript uh, scholar or a Quranic scholar or someone who specializes in writing or handwriting. You can see clearly something was erased, something was written over, and the something that was written over is written in a different style using a different pen and, or we call it the nip, the, uh, basically the thickness of that, you know, pointer of the pen itself. Uh, the ink is darker, meaning it's uh, more fresher or newer, uh, was written later. And the fact that it's written with a different hand writing and a different style, that indicates that could have been done either by somebody from a different region or uh, later uh, when the handwriting style have changed as well. There are so many theories, of course, but nevertheless, that goes against the idea that the Qur'an is preserved and it's a perfect book that the God of Islam himself is the one that ensured that it is protected. Now we get on to um, an example related to nine different examples showing insertions of the so-called the word Allah. What do we mean by that? Well, there are verses in the Quran, and and Dr. Brubaker chose nine examples in this book, at least. There are more than nine. Where you would notice that the word Allah, or the word for Allah, basically, was missing from these verses. In some examples, the word Allah was necessary to be inserted back, simply because the verse doesn't make sense if you read it without it. But in other instances, the word wasn't necessary, period. In other words, the addition of this word, all it did is just re-emphasize that the object of the verse is Allah. Yet, if you remove the name Allah that was inserted, you can still get the message anyway. In other words, somebody felt it necessary that maybe some people misunderstood or there is the potential of misunderstanding. And therefore, they wanted to insert the word Allah or the name for Allah technically speaking, to clarify it. And that flies also in the face of the idea that the Quran is a book that is written in clear Arabic with detailed explanations. Uh, it's obvious that it wasn't that detailed for someone to be compelled, a human being obviously, to be compelled to come in and add something. And now why would you, why would this be important, of course, uh, the idea that clarifying, simply because uh, uh, you know Muslims believe the Quran is uh, revealed by God himself that Muhammad memorized whatever was revealed to him. Then he recited it back. That's where we get the word Quran from, recitation. He recited it back to somebody, a scribe, you know, a companion or a group of them. They memorized it. Some of his companions took on the responsibility of writing their own codex, their own personal codex. But either way, knowing that according to Islamic tradition that Muhammad was an illiterate person, didn't know how to read or write, then it goes without saying someone other than Muhammad is the one who wrote it. Now, if you can argue back and say, well, it was done by the authorized authorization of Muhammad, then this flies in the face of the idea that Muhammad memorized it correctly, because it's obvious that he was doubting whatever he was memorizing, or he thought maybe he missed a word. And if it wasn't during the days of Muhammad, somebody else also is doubting whatever they memorized traditionally from Muhammad or through the mouth of Muhammad, through others. Any way you look at it, we have a problem. So these insertions actually are found, for instance, in the Fustat um, Codex, which is an Umayyad uh, codex that's done usually during the early uh, to late 8th century, give or take. And it's obvious that those insertions were highlighted so clearly that you cannot miss them, actually. You'll be able to tell, first, it was written uh, off, basically, on uh, above the line. Uh, with a different pen, um, and also the writing-hand style is different, and so on and so forth. Now, some of our Muslim friends lately have been arguing that these are scribal errors. This is the first time we've ever heard any of our Muslim friends beginning to use biblical language related to the textual criticism of the Bible. We, Whenever we use this idea that there has been copyist errors, but we know from the ancient and older manuscript that these copyist errors were based on something that was missed, but it was corrected to match something earlier, our Muslim friends always made the accusation that the Bible has been corrupted. Okay, well, we're using the same argument right now. Tell us, please, why the Quran was corrected then. Why do you say it's copyist errors? Using the same argument, it's fair to say the Quran has been corrupted then. Otherwise, let us now come up with a different way of understanding the nature of the Qur'an that is just a man-made book written by a human being who have overlooked certain things and therefore the concept of perfection and preservation cannot be true. And that's what we need to highlight and emphasize. Then we get to another example. This is an example about an erasure something that was removed, erased, technically speaking. Removed or erased from what? From the verse itself. This one is an example from chapter 30 of the Quran, verse 9, that Dr. Brubaker basically highlighted. And in here, he's given us one of such example of things that were erased, but nothing was written over the erasure. They tape it, probably, or they erase it somehow, but technically speaking, nothing really was written over it. And the problem we have in this particular example is that we don't know really what was the word that was erased and what was the intention behind that word originally. In fact, if you were to look and make assumptions as to what that word might have been, it also, if you were to insert word back again, based on these assumptions, Something like the word has to do probably with, uh, I mean, the, the word basically that was erased came after a word in English that is called the fate of, okay? The fate of. Now, the fate of is the word we see, but the word after it is erased. And then there is a verse ending now after fate of, okay? Now, what if the verse ending wasn't necessary? Because if you insert the word or an assumption about the word that could have been erased, some believe it's the word the Jews, other believe it's the word the people. If you were to insert these words back, then you would begin to see that the verse ending is off now. It wasn't necessary to be put there. And the context itself might change as well. So that's why this is a problem. Because we don't know, first of all, what was the word that was erased? Second of all, why was it erased? Third of all, who authorized to erase it to begin with? It is obvious something was written in there. If the Quran was based on memorization, then somebody memorized something the wrong way, or somebody came back and didn't like what was written and decided to change it to something that is totally different. Any way you look at it, we're dealing with a serious problem. If you're joining us right now, this is Al-Fadi and you're listening to Let Us Reason. And today we are highlighting the book that we've been talking about before uh, related to Quranic uh, or corrections of uh, in early Quran manuscript by Dr. Daniel Allen Brubaker. This is the same book, by the way, that myself and uh, Jay Smith have, Dr. J. Smith have done a video series, nine episodes, and dealing with this particular book and these examples, we took them one by one. Obviously, in the video, you can go to our YouTube channel, Sierra International. Subscribe to this channel, by the way, Sira with a C as in Charlie. When you subscribe, you'll receive notifications whenever we release a new video, and usually we release these videos on a weekly basis. Not necessarily just this particular series, but we have other series. So once you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Sierra International, that's with the, as in Charlie, you will begin basically to receive these notifications and you'll be exposed to things like this. When you go and watch uh, our episodes for this particular series, you are going to see, technically speaking, images of these slides. In other words, you don't have really to go ahead and buy the book right away if you don't want to, but take a look at these slides and see what we're talking about. The book is very small, by the way, not that expensive at all. Uh, not that uh, you know, we're asking you to have to spend the money to buy it, but if you choose to have it for your library, it will be a cool thing to have with you, if, especially if you're engaged in discussions concerning uh, you know, uh, manuscripts of the Bible versus the Quran and the preservation of the Word of God and so on and so forth. Now, having said that, we have highlighted so far, uh, in a previous episode I talked about one example and I gave a background about the book, Today, I highlighted at least two more examples, and we will continue to do this through the radio and the podcast, simply because I always like to elaborate further uh, on any of the video series, simply because the podcast or the radio show would allow me the freedom to talk more in-depth, what in fact, when we're doing videos, we're limited in time and limited in space, obviously, and what we can uh, show and cannot show and talk about, and especially when you have to cover a lot of things in a short period of time. Here, you can consider this to be commentaries on the videos, uh, a companion to these videos, if you wish. Now, uh, as we said in this book, Dr. Brubaker had at least 20, uh, 22 examples, even though he mentioned in the cover that it's 20 examples, but he added two. But one of those examples out of the 22 actually has nine different examples. So one can argue and say it's about 30 examples, if you wish, and that's why it is extremely important to focus on. Now, I want us to, uh, you know, in, in wrapping up, uh, basically, I don't wanna keep squeezing in a lot of examples. Next time, we will add more examples from this particular uh, book uh, to help you understand the damage that such corrections Can be causing to the Quran. Once again some of you who might have been exposed to the textual criticism of the New Testament or textual criticism of the Bible are aware of phrases and terminologies like copyist errors for instance and uh, differences in writing numbers and they were corrected. But all that to say that when it comes to the Bible Biblical scholars have no problem pointing out that earlier manuscripts of the Bible actually did not have a certain word, and therefore they would take you back to the early, you know, basically copies. And uh, there is a rule of thumb. Uh, You know, earlier uh, copies usually are one that we want to depend more on, simply because they're more reliable, closer to the action, closer to the time of Christ, closer to the eyewitness accounts closer to the apostles and the writers. They may be even be a replica of the original one. They could be even part of the original, for all we know. Nevertheless, what we want to highlight here is that you go all the way to the closest and the earliest manuscripts because you want to always know what was initially written. And if you perceive there was something that was missed, copyist error, uh, a mistake, and there is different classification. For so these errors, by the way, sometimes you know your eyes, uh, you know, fool you and you can see a word and duplicate it. Sometimes you can join two words together unnecessarily, but we know that this is an error. How because we have something earlier that shows that that wasn't necessary or somebody made a mistake, and we pointed out in the Bible itself. If you have a study Bible, you have a footnote that will tell you this. That's how our Muslim friends use these arguments against the Bible as if. They are uncovering something that we didn't even know. Now our scholars are being transparent and honest and pointing out, hey, earlier manuscripts did not say it this way because it seemed like this is a copyist error, or the word here, it appears that was added for clarification purposes by the scribe. Sometimes it's a commentary on the verse. All that to say, it is clear, honest, transparent. No one is hiding anything. And we have thousands of manuscript evidence and fragments to support the Bible that we have in our hands today. Apply the same theory to the Quran and you have a problem. Because there is no such thing as a critical copy of the Quran or critical text that has footnotes that tell you earlier manuscripts of the Quran. have that. And therefore the idea that the Quran is the preserved word of Allah, the word of God, free from any error or mistakes, is false and coming to an end now simply because of books like this and examples as the ones that are being uncovered we will continue with this discussion next week but until we meet again we pray that the lord will bless you richly and we encourage you to go and subscribe to our youtube channel cira international that's c as in charlie c-i-r-a international go and check our website we have made updates and modifications and it's a new look now it's called com. We encourage you to become a Patreon patron. Give towards these videos and these podcasts and the ministry as little as $1, as much as the Lord put in your heart. Until we meet again, have a blessed day.